Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Rafi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Rafi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL is back, and the NFL app has you covered. So get ready for football all season long and just tap into the NFL app. NFL, baby, let's make it happen. Just tap in to watch your local and primetime games all season, now through Super Bowl 56. For the end zone, touchdown! Get up-to-the-minute news, videos, highlights, stats, and more on all your favorite teams and rookies to watch. Welcome to the NFL! Download to your mobile device today at nfl.com slash mobile or in your app store. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. Karen Olivo is resigning from their Tony-nominated role in Moulin Rouge over Broadway's silence on Scott Rudin. The team behind the 2011 Oscars is opening up about how Anne Hathaway and James Franco bombed. And we're diving more in depth on Colton Underwood with Brett Vergara. It's April 16th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Stephen LeConte. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. This is not how we wanted to start out today's show, but this is America. There has been another mass shooting. As you probably know by now, at least eight people were killed and five were injured in a shooting at a FedEx facility in Indianapolis late last night. At the time we're taping this, the investigation is still underway and none of the victims nor the shooter have been identified. Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett called the seemingly never-ending nature of mass shootings in the U.S. a scourge and said action needs to be taken to prevent such, quote, senseless violence. Days earlier, Hogsett signed a bipartisan letter from more than 150 mayors across the country calling for stronger background checks. Moving on, Broadway star Karen Olivo has resigned from their Tony-nominated role in Moulin Rouge, citing the theater industry's timid response to abuse allegations against mogul Scott Rudin. In an expose from The Hollywood Reporter, Rudin is alleged to have abused a series of employees over four decades. Allegations include smashing a computer on an assistant's hand when the assistant couldn't book him on a sold-out flight and throwing a glass bowl at a colleague. One former employee noted, quote, Everyone knows he's an absolute monster. Olivo took to her Instagram on Wednesday and said, quote, For all of y'all who don't hear me, the silence about Scott Rudin, unacceptable. Unacceptable. That's the easy one, y'all. That's a monster. That should be a no-brainer. Rudin isn't a producer on Moulin Rouge, but some of his Broadway productions include The Book of Mormon and To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, so 
I think one thing that really strikes me about this from Karen is that I don't know if people realize that Broadway actors, even when they're really famous and successful, honestly do not have that much money. It's not like being an A-list movie star where you can easily turn down a project and you you know, you know won't miss a penny in your bank account, right? Uh, Broadway actors need their paychecks. And especially after not working for a, a year, they desperately need their paycheck. So I just have so much respect for Karen Olivo, because this is more than a statement. It's a real sacrifice on their part. They're going to forego pay. And I think it really speaks to the fact that this person of color, by the way, is making such a sacrifice for the sins of a very, very powerful, horrible white man. I I can't even think about the anger that Karen must have felt because I understand this piece came out. It's a tough read if you read it. I mean, the things that he is accused of doing, my God. And the fact that there hasn't been much of an uproar about it compared to other situations that are similar to it in the past that have had exposés, I'm sure that Karen was just looking at it and was like, I have to do something. And it shouldn't have to be on them. Correct. I just hope that other Broadway performers and producers stand with them because um, enough is enough and Scott Rudin needs to be taken down. Um, Meanwhile, we're finding out what went on behind the scenes of the, quote, worst Oscars in history. Now, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm referring to the infamous one hosted by Anne Hathaway and James Franco. So members of the writing team explained how that night went horribly wrong to The Ringer. One writer, Jordan Rubin, explained that the vibe was off from the beginning thanks to Hathaway and Franco's contrasting styles. He said, quote, she showed up ready to play and committed 110%. And he was a great guy, but often looked like he had just woken up from a nap. It's almost like you're showing up to a tennis court and one person decided that they were going to play in the U.S. Open and the other one wanted to play in jeans and just kind of hit a few balls. That friction between them continued when it came to writing jokes as well. Writer David Wilde recounts, quote, This is a memory, but Anne was like, maybe you should try that. And James was like, don't tell me how to be funny. Oh, this makes my blood boil because I feel like there's a lot to unpack here. I think that I was victim to how the media and how all of this played out for Anne Hathaway. She was basically victimized for being a tryhard, you know, Mm -hmm. and and all this stuff of like her being like stuck up and like James Franco's the funny one. Look at him. And now I'm like a decade later, I'm like, no, he did her dirty. Everyone did her dirty. She showed up to do her literal job and then she was taken down for that. I mean, it's like that framing Britney Spears conversation all over again. Totally different circumstance, but that same through line of a woman taking a hit in the media for basically no reason. The biggest sin she committed, quote unquote, is that she tried too hard. I mean, it's the Oscars. Of course, she's going to try hard. And I have to say, James Franco totally hung her out to dry. If you watch it, the reason why she looks a little foolish is because he's not doing anything anything. And I guess he thought that'd be funny. That That's just like, you know, like the class clown in your 11th grade history class who's just like making jokes or laughing at something stupid. Like you're not bringing anything to the table, bud. 
Yeah, no. And honestly, I have to say, if you watch it back now, it's really like, it's really not even as bad as people remembered. I think people were just so turned off by seeing Anne Hathaway being like her theater nerd self, like trying to get the crowd going. I mean, I really feel for Anne. And by the way, just as a side note, Anne Hathaway is actually one of the very few people who spoke out against Kevin Hart during that brief window of time when Kevin Hart was going to host the Oscars. A lot of actors were sort of either saying nothing or with Kevin and Anne was one of the few people to say, I believe LGBTQ people deserve a good ally. Okay. All right. Moving on. We want to get back into what has been huge news for Bachelor fans this week. Former star Colton Underwood came out as gay in an interview with Robin Roberts on Good Morning America. He revealed at the same time that he had signed a deal with Netflix to document his journey. For our non-Bachelor fanatic listeners, here's some important context. Colton was the show's lead. Yes, he was the virgin who became a meme for jumping the fence. And yes, he was later accused of stalking his season's winner after they broke up. Clearly a very complicated situation. So joining us today to break it all down is Bachelor Authority and co-host of Baby Got Batch, Brett Vergara. Hey, Brett, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. What's up? It's good to see you. I know. I am so yeah. For people who don't know, Brett used to be uh, over here at BuzzFeed, but now he's he's moved on and he's now I feel like the leader of Bachelor commentary. <laughs> don't know how we got here. Just like very <laughs> stumbled on into this weird ether. Especially now, I, these days, I don't know how to feel. But no, it's uh, yeah, it's, very, it's been a joy. True. But yeah, you know, I I cover The Bachelor for the site and I include all of your tweets in my roundups because they are always hilarious and always, you know, when something happens on the show that is not, you know, just a normal, funny experience, I think you always have great commentary on it. Um, You're also a member of the Bachelor Diversity League. Can you explain what that is and how it came together? Yeah, so the Bachelor Diversity campaign that was started last year around... I want to say it was like May or June. And so I didn't start it directly. It was started by someone who's in a Facebook group that I have called Brett's Bachelor mm-hmm. Buds. Um, <laughs> and it was right around, you know, when you know everything was um, happening with George Floyd and we saw this increased momentum in the Black Lives Matter movement. And yeah, there were people in the group who just wanted to do something. They really didn't necessarily know what to do as far as like, how do we bring this to ABC or pressure ABC to just do better when it comes to, you know, not only diversity on camera, but behind the scenes as well, whether it's casting or production or post-production or just even hair, right? Like something where it's not your immediate thought um, that matters, you know, because if you, you want to make sure that, you know, black indigenous people of color who are on that show can, represent themselves fully authentically and are set up for success and you need all of that and yeah so it just sort of snowballed in the facebook group and then you know i got involved and my role in that was essentially to scream into the dms of like any bachelor connection that i had made over the years of like tweeting and all that it's tough but you know you got to keep like trying to push for change, even if it feels like it's not coming the way you want it to or as fast as you want it to. Yeah. So let's talk about Colton's big announcement here. What was your initial reaction when you heard he came out as gay, especially in light of the stalking and harassment allegations against him? 
multiple reactions that happened at the same time. But one of them, you know, was of course to, you know, when, you know, anybody, you know, comes out as, as gay or anything else that, you know, like maybe it's, they've, um, you know, they want to say like their gender identity, the pronouns that they want to now be referred to as, you know, it's, it's great. You know, whenever you see, someone wanting to live more authentically and are able to do so by announcing it in their own way, coming out in their own way. That's great to see. And you want to be able to support that. So that was my initial reaction on that front. You know, of course, like I also, like many others have not forgotten, you know, the very recent events that he had with Cassie and, you know, for people who might not be, you know, familiar that literally included like illegal stalking behavior. Yeah. And I think a lot of fans that know of this too, looking at it was like, like you said, it's like, okay, I'm so happy that Colton is able to come out, but also look at this platform he's been given. And my first thought went to Cassie and how she might be feeling because, you know, it's interesting. So, so you bring up like the platform that he's been given because obviously like, uh, the fact that Robin Roberts sat down with him, did a whole interview on, on Good Morning America, you know, it's like, well, that's certainly a platform, right? And if Colton had just like tweeted out that he was gay, Good Morning America would have covered it, right? It's a media outlet, you know, the same as like, you know, BuzzFeed, for example, and you know, all these other outlets, like it's kind of part of the job. Him getting a Netflix series, that's like pretty egregious in my opinion, you know, it just, uh, you know, cause that's also like monetary value, right? Like it's one thing for his story to be covered. Cause I can see the value of, you know, someone who was a footballer, right? He's like literally shown as like the peak of masculinity in some respect. Like he was literally the bachelor, this show that's supposed to represent peak machismo, right? With Netflix, like that's a monetary opportunity and Netflix very well could have taken that opportunity elsewhere and shined it on, you know, again, like a black indigenous person of color who had that same experience, you know, that's out there. Yeah. You also posted a thread on Twitter that I thought was pretty moving. You were criticizing some of the public response to the news, like sort of the people who are saying like, I knew it all along or whatever. So what about the public response to this bothered you the most? Yeah. I mean, so I'll preface all this, like I'm a heterosexual man, you know, so I, I'd never want to even try to like speak for the LGBTQ plus community. I, so I tried to keep my thoughts on it, like very much like these are my thoughts. Like I didn't want to sort of morality police it, but I talked about how, you know, for years, like people have been saying like, Oh, Colton's totally gay. Like, I think he's gay. Like, you know, just this speculation around it. And I don't know, it just always rubbed me the wrong way because it feels like it's a slippery slope. I get, you know, it's not necessarily always done in malice, but you know, if uh, say the three of us, are speculating Colton's sexuality before he came out, right? You know, we're being like, oh, like he's, you know, he was a virgin. He's like, you know, he's not in a relationship. He doesn't do dating well. Like that must be a sign. You know, friends of ours who are in that exact same situation who might be struggling with their sexuality, who maybe haven't come out yet, they're going to hear that. And it's going to add potentially to like the stigma. They might be scared to be found out. They might feel forced out if that speculation starts around them. They might just like 
bury their sexuality in complete fear of like being discovered. So that's, I guess, like my general thoughts around it all. I said this on the thread, but like, I don't gain anything by like beating them to it, like getting the scoop on their sexuality, right? It just, I don't really get that. All right, well, we'll be right back to dive even further into Colton's GMA interview and The Bachelor. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver, and on my podcast, Mini Questions, I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry, journalist and television host Jeremy Clarkson, editor-in-chief of InStyle magazine Laura Brown, and creative juggernaut Goldie. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. We controlled the courts. We controlled absolutely everything. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. From my perspective, Bob was too good to be true. There's got to be something wrong with this. I wouldn't trust that guy. He looks like a little scumbag liar, stool pigeon. He looked like what he was, a rat. I can say with all certainty, I think he's a hero because he didn't have to do what he did, and he did it anyway. The moment I put the wire on the first time, my life was over. If it ever got out, they would kill me in a heartbeat. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Brett Vergara about Colton Underwood coming out. We also need to talk about the person he announced it to first, again, Robin Roberts. And there's one question in particular I want to talk about. So many people were cheering you on and wanting you to find love. And now they may feel that you misled the public and misled those women from that season. Yep. How do you address people who feel that way? I would understand why they think that way. And I mean, I thought a lot about this too, of do I regret being The Bachelor? And do I regret handling it the way that I did? What did you think of that line of questioning? To me, it was highlighting the dangerous narrative that gay people are being deceptive before they come out. I don't know. I feel like that was that put him into a tough position. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's that whole thing. Like sexuality is complicated, right? You know, listen, I as of this interview, like, you know, when we're recording, like I identify as a heterosexual man. I have plenty of friends who have thought that they were heterosexual well into like their thirties and forties and then something changes. So it's just odd to think like, just because that sexuality changed and he 
was, you know, really clinging on to this idea, um, you know, that he was a heterosexual man then. Yeah, that is deceptive. I think that's like it's adding to like the stigma of like figuring yourself out, you know, and that's naturally going to be complicated and take time. And I feel, and I do feel for him in that case when he was like, I would understand why people feel that way. And it's tough. I know both Stephen and I saw, so even like a real housewives had that same opinion. And it was saying like how, how poorly he treated these women for deceiving them like that. And I'm like, oh boy, he was literally trying to pray the gay away. Like he, you know, like I can't imagine what it was like filming that for him. And he was not deceiving anyone. And honestly, I can say like as a gay man who spent uh, the first two decades of my life in the closet, like when you're going through that, you will do absolutely anything to get to like feel like you might maybe be straight. I totally understand why he became The Bachelor. It actually makes a lot of sense to me because you will do things that just kind of push yourself into the corner of like, see, I'm doing this. I'm, I must be straight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, maybe... You know, talk about the idea of like clinging on to like this hope of heterosexuality when you've been, you know, he said you, he knew since he was six or he was questioning since he was six. You know, if you get any sort of beacon of light that maybe you can live up to like what, you know, he had like a football career for a long time. He, I forget where he, where he grew up, but you know, he had a religious background, his community very likely like wanted him to be a certain way. And he felt the pressure to be a certain way. So any route to be that, I I can see why he would want to take it. Yeah. You touched on this a little bit already, but I want to talk about the privilege inherent in Colton's coming out journey. When you compare him to someone like Lil Nas X, a gay black man who has to do everything right and nothing wrong just to be himself. And then even when he does that, he still gets a lot of flack, by the way. But you compare that to like Colton, who harassed his last girlfriend and then was given a Netflix show about his gay journey. So there's this clear two different types of coming out journey. So how does that sit with you? Yeah. Well, I'd much rather watch a series around Lil Nas X and his sexuality <laughs> than, than Colton, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's not even a ton more to say than I 100% you know, agree. Like, you know, you look at Lil Nas X and like the latest scandal with the video is like, how could he, you know, depict like sexual actions with like the, the underworld and what all that. It's like, uh, Colton literally stalks somebody like that's a real thing. It's not just an artistic fabrication. It's not just wild metaphor, <laughs> not even metaphor, wild symbolism, or I don't know what you want to call it, but it's, uh, that's art. You know, it's, it's might not be art that a lot of people understand or like really vibe with, but it's literally art and not reality. And what Colton did was reality. And yet, yeah, of course, like he gets, this more of a pass, you know, that hasn't been that long. So, you know, there's clearly been a lot of upheaval within the franchise just in the past couple months. So I want to ask you two different questions here. Do you think ABC is going to do anything different with the franchise after Colton's coming out? And second, what do you think they should do? I hope nothing. (laughs) I actually, (laughs) honestly, I don't actually think... I don't think Colton has a great relationship with the franchise anymore. I mean, I think there was a reason why this was Good Morning America and Netflix, and it's not like an ABC show, right? So I sort of think that there, this is, again, speculation, that there's probably some contention there. And I I do think he probably still holds 
you know, a grudge for like the fence jumping stuff. And like he talked about in his book, for example, how he felt like producers were, you know, like manipulating him. So I don't think there's a lot of love there. So I don't see the franchise really embracing, uh, you know, Colton in that way, nor do I see Colton like embracing the franchise as far as like them leaning into embracing like the LGBTQ community. It's interesting because I'd, I'd love to see it. I think they would have to, they, they definitely have to change the fabric of the whole show in order do, to I do it. I was going to say back to the very top when we were talking, when you were saying that you're going to need diversity behind the camera too. So uh, I personally, as a queer person, do not want to see a queer iteration of the show until the fabric has been completely changed because I would want their full story to be told and for them to feel protected and supported. You know? Yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah, and like you so I, I definitely agree with all those points too. And I think they would have to, yeah, like really structure either the the main show or an iteration of it. I'm also up for like once, not that we can ever feel fully confident that they're like, oh, I think they got this. I think they're going to handle this responsibly. <laughs> we'll never get there, you know. But in this fantasy where that I, I can trust that in, in a complete sense. You know, I would also be up for like breaking the fabric and not forcing it into the mold that the show has existed in already. Like, I don't know, I'm for it. Like, if that's what it takes to move the ball forward, then mm-hmm. let's do it. Let's like break mm-hmm. the mold. And on that note, Brett, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been great. Heck yeah. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. Come back and join us on Monday. And remember, we got through this disheartening Friday together. Thank you for being here with us. BuzzFeed Daily is produced by Dan Bauza, Alan Haberchak, Julia Karen, and Erica Nedini. Special thanks to Tracy Ayers, Mangesha Ticketer, Samantha Hennig, and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. 
Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.